and welcome to Gin and Gentlemen, with me, Eleanor Harkstead, bringing the gin. And accompanied by a whole studio full of gentlemen on a dolly truck, Catherine Curzon. And, uh, so what are we talking about today, Catherine, on our podcast? Today we're talking about films we haven't seen that people always go, you haven't seen that, when they mention it and you haven't seen it. And to join us on our podcast today... We have an expert in film who also happens to be my husband, so he was a very cheap guest. Um, Mr Curzon, Rick Curzon. Hello, Rick. I'm not sure I'm an expert, but fair enough. Okay. And Rick is a reviewer, and he's going to tell us very succinctly a little bit about what he does. Over to you, Rick. I'm a secondary school teacher by day, and I review films, do technical reviews for the website Rewind, www.dvdcompare.net. So there we go. We're not sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> so Rick is here to postulate <laughs> and hold court on our comments and occasionally chip in with his own. Yay. So the dog's moving. The dog, Pippa, is moving. And we should say as well, if there's any odd background noise or hiss on this podcast, we're recording it slightly differently again, um, so there might be a little bit of weird audio, but hopefully nothing that will spoil your enjoyment. So, Catherine, what films are there that you haven't seen, which people always go, well, you haven't seen that? Well, I've got a master's degree in film, so people think I've seen all films, but I haven't. A film that people always go a bit that way about is Dirty Dancing, which is one of those films that everyone seems to have seen and it's always being shown at summer drive-ins and all that kind of thing. Mm. But I haven't seen it. That's like Grease, isn't it? Top and it's, it's, it's such a well-known film that it ended up in the second series of Mrs Maisel where there's a whole episode of the, fabul- the marvellous Mrs Maisel which is set in like a holiday camp up in the hills with lots of references to Dirty Dancing. Yeah, and that's that's how kind of like ingrained in the fabric it is. But then again, it's a bit like it, it's it's kind of like the American version of Heidi High in a way. <laughs> <laughs> but with with obviously Heidi High doesn't have musical numbers. <laughs> we had some show notes about Heidi High for those of you who might not know what it is. Rick, resident expert, what are your thoughts on Dirty Dancer? Oh, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but. Uh... Yeah, it was all right. It's a well-made film for what it is. It's it's set in the early 60s in the Catskills Mountains. Um, it's one of those romances on holiday type films. Um, the music, of course, is really 80s and very much tied to the when it was made and doesn't really sit well with its 60s setting. Mm. But it's fine for what it is. Yeah, because it won, I think it won an Oscar for mu- for its soundtrack, I think. Did it? But mm. it's got lots of songs on it. Like it's oh, got um, the time of my life. Well, it's got other than that, it's got the Renette Be My Baby, which yeah. obviously Martin Scorsese yeah. is quite fond of because that opens yeah. Mean Streets. And then you've got um, that's sung by the guy who sits when he, when he plays Robinson. live. No, it's it's the guy who sits in a massive throne when he sings live. Mm. He's just like big old solely guy. Um, so it, so that those bits of music are quite are quite interesting. But then then. Time of your life. It's like it doesn't yeah. even. Well, you got the Oscar for that. But then all. to get the Oscar, you have to have a new song. You can't ah, have so yes, that's how that's how they did it. Yeah. With yeah. a song that wasn't that good. Hence why things mm. like is it? Evita. Evita. You must love me was yeah. written for Evita because obviously the songs were a long, long and time old by then. It's a commercial prospect, so they have to. Yeah. Do that. So they put in a new song and it wins an Oscar or gets yeah. nominated for an Oscar. Mm. So that's Dirty Dancing. Right, so should I do one I haven't yeah. seen? See, see, the ones I've seen, it's like, oh, I've seen Dirty Dancing. I haven't seen Citizen Kane. 
So the only thing I know about it was when in the eighties the Ghostbusters comic had um a story in it that was about Rosebud and the sleigh, mm. and that's all I know about it because of a Ghostbusters comic. I <laughs> know it very well because obviously having been a film student, <laughs> that it's kind of like film student one hundred and one. You have to watch Citizen Kane. And it is an absolutely brilliant film. And the more you get to know about the background of it and how it was made um, and the chance that was taken on Orson Welles with that film, the more of an achievement it is. Mm. What do you think, Ray? Uh, it's a great movie. It's one, when you're a film buff, and you're, I started out being a fan of sci-fi TV shows and things and uh, got into movies through blockbusters like Star Wars. And uh, I can remember getting a book called Halliwell's Film Guide in the mid-'80s. Oh, yeah. And, of course, films like Citizen Kane were always being lauded and... Halliwell was particularly scathing, you know, comments like Hitchcock would have got it into a t- TV half hour. <laughs> he basically put down anything after 1960. So, of course, you build up this resistance to anything when you're about 13 or 14. But um, it was, uh, when I finally got to see it, it's a great movie. It's brilliantly shot, fantastic looking film. You know, opens well with that rosebud bit, you know, at the beginning with him saying rosebud, just a mouth up close. And, you know, Rick, do you stunning. have a film that you haven't seen? Oh, there's loads of are you going to pick one then? Uh, well, classics, I suppose. Things like Sunset Boulevard, I haven't <gasps> seen that. I haven't. But you had that on DVD. I did, and I got rid of it, yeah. How have you not seen that? I've seen a musical of that. Mm. I've seen um, Hugh Jackman in a musical <gasps> playing Joe Gillis before he was like before he was Hugh Jackman, if you like. Before he went to the gym. Before he went to the gym, <laughs> yeah. He's absolutely brilliant. Um, Sunset Boulevard is great. And it's great as well because it mixes real, character, real actors and... Mm figures from the era appear as themselves in the film so when it's Buster, I think it's Buster Keaton it is Buster Keaton yeah. and it's kind of like it feels it's quite bit, unusual yeah quite unusual and it feels a bit weird that they're playing themselves as kind of faded and a little bit forgotten mm. I'm very familiar with it I know yeah. the story I just I had it on DVD one of those cheap picks you pick it up and it's a great bit, dump in and then suddenly it becomes worth more so yeah I think sold. now there's moments in it that are quite high camp now um mm. But well, it influenced a lot of stuff. Yeah. It's an Out, Outer Limits episode, a or Twilight Zone episode that has something similar in it. Mm. You know, the fading star reminiscing about their past and being a, a heroine. Well, I'm going to choose for mine now, like a bunch together, which are some sci fi yeah. films, which is any of the Matrix films mm. and any Star Wars film after the Attack of the, Attack of the Clones. I could say the Clone mm. Wars, but that's not. Yeah. After Attack of the Clones, um, which. Rick and me have had quite a heated debate about. Um, but essentially, I love the first three Star Wars films. Oh, yes. Absolutely love them. And I saw... I can't remember what it's called. Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace, thank you. Mm. I saw Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones and was just so underwhelmed mm. that I thought, well, they're not getting another sue out of me. Yeah. Yeah. And life's quite short to spend it watching films that you're not really that fussed about. Yeah. Um, and The Matrix, it just didn't didn't grab me you know I'm not a huge sci-fi fan anyway I like some sci-fi but I'm not a huge sci-fi fan but I used to work with someone who was obsessed with the matrix and wouldn't believe that I hadn't seen it and was absolutely convinced I was just saying it for effect it's worth saying but it's I wasn't worse. I haven't seen it it's, 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 but he was like why didn't you just admit that you've seen it it's, <laughs> a, fine, it's a fine film but it, it is very big if you took away all the effects all the style and long jackets everyone wears and stuff like that. Yeah. They wouldn't have a whole lot left. There is a lot of philosophy in it and things like that, which make it interesting, of course. But a movie that came out around the same time, based on a similar uh, premise, was Existence from um, uh, oh, what's his name? Cronenberg. 
And that's really good. I wrote my BA dissertation about David Cronenberg. It was about his film Dead Ringers. That's ah, one of the few I've seen at the cinema. But when Existence I, is really good. Oh, I when know. I was at uni, I had a friend who had an Existence poster on the mm. wall. And I couldn't work out, because Jude Law's got this kind of gun. Like it's a like bionic a knobbly gun. gun. Yeah. It's made out of a Chinese meal. But, yeah. yeah, because I looked at it and I was going, why is Jude Law pointing a chicken nugget like a gun? <laughs> <laughs> and it like yeah. fuses into his arm and it does like a horrible thing around his wrist. Always looks a bit icky. Well, it's, mm. it's all about computer games of the future, yeah. which plug directly into your spine, that they're made uh, organic technology. Yeah. And you're in this game, and the concepts of organic technology but are there. And as they, a gamer, that would you know. never work because we're notoriously fickle, and we'll love a game and play it like twelve hours a day for three weeks, and then go, oh, "I've played that now." So you don't want to be permanently plugged yeah, it's, into it's, one. It's like free roaming completely. Yeah, so, but with that, if that were the case, we'd all still be playing like GTA Four. Chucky Egg. Not being a, a game player, I'm not somebody that doesn't really sort of. Or we'd be playing Red Dead Redemption so. Two for the rest of our lives and just turn into like pallid zombies. You never actually. That's happened to me. So I've been playing Shrek on the Wii. Shrek That's on my the level. Wii. Oh my god. <laughs> Wii boxing. <laughs> yeah, I remember when the Matrix came out because I think for a while it was the working title of Johnny Mnemonic or something. No, no, no. This is how much I know about them, the Matrix. But it always it's that thing people go now. There's a glitch in the Matrix or something. Yeah. And that's because the film has become part of the yeah. culture. But part if you haven't seen it, it's like I don't know. I get that. Reeves in a leather jacket. Because I used Reddit a lot. <laughs> so I get the glitch in the Matrix thing. And I used it myself, but obviously not having seen it, I probably shouldn't be on my I, I've got using a th- someone else's thing. that the Wachowskis are actually, were anyway, Doctor Who fans. Because in the 70s, in PBS, they used to show Tom Baker and John Pertwee Doctor Who's. And one of them was called The Deadly Assassin, in which the Doctor goes back to Gallifrey. And the way that the Time Lord's mind works and the way the whole culture works is this thing called the Matrix. And uh, you get locked into it on a desk, laid back, just like they do in the movie. And uh, you go into a virtual uh, reality world where anything can happen. And that is, as far as I'm aware, it's the first time on film or television that a sort of virtual reality world was ever depicted. Gosh. I could be wrong, stand a correction on that, but... I'd just you know. like to point out as well that I've now got that I've had the time of my life stuck as an earworm in my oh, head. Oh no, that's not good. <sighs> this is like the time I had Charlene's never been to me in my head for over two weeks, and I could not get it out. <laughs> and I won't. Sh- the lyrics are great. Go away and read them and listen to it because they're great. But I'm not going to say them here. Or we have to pay someone. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I think I think right with the, with the Star Wars films. I love the th- I love the first three, and I love them because I think they're quite funny and quite human in a way, even though they're about it's aliens and robots. Well. Yeah, and I think when they when they did the prequels, it just became rather po faced. Oh. And I saw the first oh. one, started watching the second, Loads of humor, and I just no. thought I'm, I don't. I'm not it's like it. whole films about sort of like trade debate. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, it's but like, the thing like, is oh. that, that I like the prequels. I never disliked them. The only one I wasn't keen on initially was Attack of the Clones. Because mm. the trite romance, but that's only about half an hour out of it. Mm. But uh, Phantom Menace is loads of humour, and people complained heavily about the, the Jar Jar Binks character. Yeah, I was involved with somebody at the time whose young lad loved Jar Jar Binks, and oh. you know Lucas got it right. The kids loved it. I think mm. as well, and, like know. for me, it was frustrating because I loved them so much, and I was so excited mm. that it was like unwrapping a Christmas present, and it's yeah. like a, a poo. Because <laughs> well, I, I loved I the think, coal, but it was worth. Again, my the theory whole. is I think it's the Star Wars fans who were kids when the first ones came yeah. out, and they'd grown up by nineteen ninety eight nine or whatever. No. And I think they're I a bit disappointed. I honestly don't see a whole lot of difference in terms of writing, acting, directing, or anything in them uh, across all the films. In mm. fact, if anything, I find the more recent trilogy more disappointing because it's just complete rehash. I haven't seen those either. Yeah, they're, I they're very I enjoyable, don't. but they're they're just rehash. 
you know. I saw the first one of those, but I haven't, and I've seen Rogue One, and I just, but Rogue I just One's haven't. Good. Rogue One is very good and very moving, and mm. I cried. Um, and Solo, but that's really good too, a lot oh, of fun. But those two yeah. are telling us stories that we've heard bits and pieces about anyway, yeah. so they're sort of fixed. Yeah. Whereas the the new trilogy just rehashed A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. I know, and, I, and I kind of I feel sad about Carrie Fisher in a way, so I don't really want to. I don't mm. want to watch the one where. No. <laughs> so, well, she doesn't die in it, but she has a bit where she, they could have killed her off. Well, she, just, she drifts out of a window or something. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Mary, 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 the Mary Poppins <laughs> moment. It's laughable. It really is. <laughs> I should say they're in Rogue One. Isn't there a bit where they do the um, Princess Leia? But it's it's like they had to put a, Very, a, get an actress yeah, that looks beam, really wrong. beam Carrie Fisher's yeah. young face over yeah. her and it looks a bit odd. Yeah, it does. But it's only there for literally about... Yeah. 10 seconds yeah. the, the, the Peter Cushing Reaper is much better oh, and no. more successful but a lot of that's kept in the shadows but they as well. all look wrong like they look mm. to me because I've seen these scenes they look like they're made out of plasticine yeah. like they mm. don't look it's right. on Canny Valley yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like I can tell who it's supposed to be but I'm not buying it no I'm not I, even renting well, I've just it I've watched Aquaman and that, that's completely uncanny Valley from start yeah but well, he's made out of plastic He's got a plastic moulded chest. Not really, don't sue me. <laughs> but, but he looks like he's been moulded and made yeah. like a doll. It's, it's got he's like his Kidman, own action figure. It looks very strange at the beginning because she's got plastic surgery and looks weird. Uh, and then you've got Tamira Morrison who's been de-aged so it's set 20 years ago or whatever. Mm. And he just looks weird. I'm thinking, I know this guy, but who is it? I had to look him up. Rick's opinion of Nicole Kidman's looks <laughs> and speculation on her plastic surgery are not the opinion of this podcast. <laughs> We saw this Tom Hanks in is it Midnight Express or something with the, the children's train story, and he's in there. Not Midnight Express. Uh, Polar no, Express. Polar mm. Express. <laughs> yeah, so that's a different film. Yeah, completely. Yeah, very different, that <laughs> We're one. watching Midnight Express. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, it's the thing about the train, and a lot of people have said that you oh, see you see pictures of it, and he looks weird. creepy. <laughs> and it's like this is a kids' film. That's like something out of a right. monster. Yeah, but at least movie. that's the entire film, and every character in it, it's all CG generated, isn't it? Yeah. Where it's a problem with Aquaman. And it just probably caught me at the wrong moment because I like most of these films, but it's just, it's such a wild environment that it's just, it just took me out of it. I just, you know, mm. there's a bit in Italy that's not like that, but that's about it, really. Mm. So, I haven't seen Singing in the Rain. What? That's a classic. <laughs> that is one of the greatest films of all time. <laughs> it is absolutely love that film. Mm probably know it by heart I was singing a little bit of it to you the other day for a treat yeah. for you Rick well, didn't think it was a treat but well, you bought me that I bought you that mm. um, you absolutely the first you me, I brilliant fantastic I watched that when I was at uni and I don't remember when but it was a huge rainstorm and we watched Singing in the Rain while we were waiting to go and see The Exorcist on re-release <laughs> and as soon as that finished we went and got um, in a taxi and went to see The Exorcist and it was quite a different mood change. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. If you haven't seen it, mm. you have to... Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, I've seen... I've seen it's that thing where there's films like that and films like Citizen Kane and stuff where you see so many clips of it, you mm. almost feel like, well, I don't really need to see it now because I've seen, I've seen... I feel like I've seen it. So. I can't remember. No, um, I'm trying to get Rick... To, I'm trying to surreptitiously ask Rick to Google see the ring because I can't remember the name of the lady who plays Lena Lamont um but basically in it obviously she can't sing and it's the mm-hmm. advent of talkies and uh, she's been a great um great star in silent films but she can't sing whereas obviously gene kelly's character can sing and is it gene hagen gene hagen yeah she's can't sing and she's got this really 
comedy voice. So she's supposed to be playing like a French princess, and the line she keeps getting wrong. She's saying, "Oh, Pierre." Or is that supposed to be? She's supposed to be Clara Bow or something. Or is that what people have said? Yeah, yeah. Or a lot of people whose careers collapse. So Brooks. she hire they hire someone to provide her singing voice, who's played by Debbie Reynolds. But the actual irony of this is that Jean Hagen had a fantastic singing voice and was a celebrated Broadway performer, whereas in Singing in the Rain, Debbie Reynolds' singing voice isn't Debbie Reynolds' singing voice. Did she get the woman that they all got, like, in my family? Marnie Nixon. <laughs> Marnie Nixon. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not her singing <laughs> voice, so, so she is mm. playing someone, dubbing someone singing. Oh, God. But she's dubbed singing, so Jean Hagen could have dubbed her own singing, if that makes sense. <laughs> But it's absolutely brilliant. It's the cl- well, it's a classic for a reason. Okay, I'll put that on my pile. It's a perfect celebration of everything about the sort of musical at the time. Is it the Freed Unit? Is that a Freed film? Yes, or the Freed. Yeah, the yeah. Freed Unit made these amazing, Paris, beautiful musicals that it feels like an event. Mm. And if I'd have known, because Eleanor is actually here with us at the moment, this is not a remote podcast. If I'd have known that, we could have watched it last night. We but we were obviously busy researching. Right, a good double bill with the uh, Coppola tribute. One from the heart, which is mm. designed as a tribute to those films. Try that. Mm. <laughs> you like the film. I do like the film. Rick, have you got another one for us? Yeah, uh, I suppose of recent vintage and on the sci-fi theme, Avatar. I've never seen Avatar. Neither have I. Oh, I haven't seen it which either. There's not me. much we can say about it. Like da- like, Dancing with Smurfs. Isn't there a chemical in that? Or the, a what? mineral, it's called like... Unobtainium. Unobtainium. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a typically clunky thing. Huge success. Well, they just call it made up mm. Huge success. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, know the first, the, I know the makeups and the whatnot. It's, it's famous as being the first movie to be shot in 3D in the modern era, isn't it? Or something like that. I don't know. Oh, there, there was one called The Wind Spinner or The Wind something. It sounded vaguely flatulent. And the wind they spinner. made it in 2D. Then then 3D started taking off. So they said, let's make it uh, into 3D. And they did it. And it, unfortunately, it made it really dark. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, but that yeah. happens because the, the nature of 3D, it does dim it. Mm. Um, what do you say? The Wind Spinner. Uh, something that like that. It's probably not that. It might be. I might have remembered Midnight it wrongly. Express, hello. Yeah, Come on, kids. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah they're, they're of... We're watching Texas Chainsaw. Oh, no, I mean Toy Story. <laughs> yeah. But most most of the 3D films now are post-conversions. Uh... My friend Jared, he always uh, thinks he can sp- spot the difference between them, but I can't really. We've got a button on our TV that if you press it, supposedly turns the TV into 3D. But I can't watch 3D anymore because I've got such weird eyes that it makes me feel sick. Do you have to but... wear 3D glasses? And yeah, Rick tells me that mm. it doesn't work, that it... Just doesn't Not really, no. When when you have 3D, it, it makes it look like you could look the TV as like a pool and you mm. could put your hand into it. When it tries to convert it, it looks like everything's popping out at you uh, in a way. Whereas When you're a kid, though, that's the best. It doesn't look right, though. It, it doesn't, even on those terms, it doesn't quite look right. It, mm. It's too quick and dirty, whereas a proper yeah. conversion is done and costs millions, you know. Dare I admit, okay, there's classic films I haven't seen. I did see Jackass in 3D in the cinema. But why? It was silly, and it, the things that and what they did was I didn't like it. deliberately People are sick all the time doing like, like things that were popping out. Yeah, that were in three D, and it was it was really funny, but actually quite gross as well. The worst so. though is when you watch a film that was made for three D, like Jaws three D, oh, but God, you watch yeah. it in two D, and then there's like loads of lame stuff being thrown towards the screen. But yeah. in two D, you're like, yeah, that doesn't well, work. House of Wax is the wow. famous one. That's a great movie um, in 2D, but it's a bit with a mm. paddle man when he's going like that. He's a barker. Yeah, outside. and he's got like a ball attached ball, to a bat. And you can see it bouncing at you, which is amusing. But in 3D, it's amazing. 
Yeah. It really is amazing. But you and, lose that stuff, don't you? Like yeah. the famous bit in Jaws with the trombone shots where, where it's like when the guy's on the beach and he realises the shark's coming into yeah. the bay and everyone's Jaws swimming 3D. and it's like, whoa! And that, that works really well in 2D. Yeah. It's like, it's like in a way 3D mm. is kind of over-egging the pudding sometimes. Yeah. And I think for me as well, because we've had great... Because Rick loves 3D. And I'll say, mm. because I've got mm. extremely odd astigmatism. Mm. So when I watch it for like probably no more than five minutes I feel really nauseous I can't mm. watch it and I can't actually all I, I can see two images I can't mm. you know Crosstalk. but I think that the reason it never took off is that people it's the whole thing you have to wear glasses if you already wear, wear glasses cumbersome yeah and then you can't just say oh your friend's coming around we'll put a film on oh well we haven't got enough pairs of glasses <laughs> and well, I think it's that thing that people it's part of the reason I think that virtual reality never really took off mm. big time because mm. it's the thing about the minute you have to like it's one thing as a game to pick up a control and play, but then he's like, oh, I've got to put this well, thing on my head. It's supposed and to be working. someone comes to the door. <laughs> you, well, it's 3D without And glasses, also now we multi-screen but... a lot, don't you? When you're watching TV, you oh, might be yeah. on your tablet or your phone. But it's important to also point but out. But you can't do that while you've got your 3D glasses. You can't keep lifting them up and putting yeah. them down. The and you... 3D goes great guns at the cinema, but it's just the home version, which is weird because people go to the cinema and they put the glasses on and they seem happy to pay the extra money for it. And they keep making these things and it's mm. not exactly cheap to but do it. you think it. that's because when you're at the cinema, it's probably like... A, a tenner to get in anyway, and then it's another pound for three. It doesn't yeah. feel like that big of a reach. Yeah. yeah, but it's the point is that it's the glasses you're wearing. No, but that's different to sitting yeah. on your like on your settee. And you're watching a film. I want to make a cup of tea. Glasses off, cup of tea. Now I'll just see if like Helen's text me. Glasses off, check my text. It's that people now. I think we watch TV differently. Mm. It's a shame because it's better at home. You actually can compensate for the darkening, mm. whereas you can't. The the ones at the cinema are passive. Uh, and the, there's two types passive and active active is the one where you have batteries in the thing and it's a shutter mm-hmm. effect whereas the that you can get passive ones for the home but uh, passive is only half resolution I remember you trying well. to watch an Amityville 3D oh that's fun and literally yeah. standing in the kitchen oh that was the old peering anaglyph. out round the corner to the TV yeah, trying to make it work because that, that was the only way you could yeah, make but that it was that, the, only, the thing about that very was, comfortable let's they, go and sit in the kitchen that was, in, in D- DVD era so there was no home 3D but what they did was they put it in the old anaglyph red blue so you put this thing on it, it does work but you, you had to be further away from it so when we had it in the alcove over there when you're in the kitchen and you're looking back are you back, saying that on a podcast worked, in the but, alcove over there we, we'll supply yeah, a floor but, plan <laughs> yeah we're, we're in the downstairs and there's an alcove that we don't use anymore but you know there we go well, we do it, did, it didn't work it didn't really work but yeah uh, you know. So, moving on, the <laughs> next film that I will submit into the Hall of Fame yeah. is Titanic. So, it's Titanic, and um, my very, very, very good friend and enabler, enabler Rob, wrote um, some work on Titanic when we did our BA together, and knew everything about this film that there was to know. So, what I know about Titanic, I have absorbed via Rob, and um, I just had no interest I wouldn't have minded the sinking bit that's the best bit <laughs> but I wasn't really fussed about the rest of it no I do love A Night to Remember the 1950s mm. film about Titanic even though obviously now we've found the wreck we know that they got some of the detail wrong well major point of it the ship split in half but, yeah. well yeah but they didn't know that then but it's still a far better film yeah it's a great film um, and it doesn't go on for a week <laughs> 
And it just never... In fairness, Titanic doesn't drag. It's it's never... It just never grabbed me. I I saw it at the cinema when it came out. And there's Mm. some quite poor CGI in it. But then CGI was quite young then. Yeah, there's there's basically poor CGI. They had scenes where the... It's like the camera would lift up and they'd have a picture of the deck and there'd be like yeah, the, I've the, seen the sailors on scenes, it and like yeah. robots. And what happened as well was that when they made it, because they had to have this like scale model, but it was yeah, actually huge. huge. Yeah. They only had one half of it, so that yeah. if they were flipping, if they were doing the port side of the boat, they'd have to basically film it on the starboard and flip, flip it. it. Yeah. I think oh no. Most expensive movie ever made at the point. It was like two hundred million, and it's the fir- but it was the first film to make over a billion. Yeah. On its initial theatrical run in the money of the time. It, there's just so much in it that's just cheese like, now, isn't it? It's like paint me like one of your or draw me like one of your French, French ladies. Yeah. That's been so parodied yeah, as well. So, oh, it? so you know, like in French and Saunders. When yeah. They do yeah. Their time and I think it. Family Guy have done it several it's, times. The <laughs> thing about it is, that you have such an expensive film. Hollywood's very conservative. They don't want to risk anything. No. So that's why it has to have the lame-ass uh, romance in it. I mean, you've got all these real people who are very fascinating on the yeah. ship. Ones who died, ones who didn't. You know, and they don't tell any of their stories. No. But what they tell is this really lame story, of a love story. But, but of, that's just what to it was say, needed, because Rick's you know? obviously now twice throwing some shade at romance. As romance authors, <laughs> you know. again, this is the opinion of our prosaic guests. Yeah, sure, but it's... <laughs> You know, lame romance. Well, it, it, it is lame in the in the favor of the story, but they did it because that sells tickets, and that's completely understandable. <laughs> the handprint on the on you know you know when they're, yeah they're I've seen that clip. Oh, that was God, more yeah. like a horror film. It's like smear the blood yeah. <laughs> down the window. Yeah, you know, well, famously she has all these paintings, and it's really mm. unintentionally funny bit where she's waxing very pretentious about these paintings she's got, and. All those paintings are hanging in galleries. Yeah, but they all apparently sunk on the ship. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I there's, this there's a lot of technical things wrong with it. Like, I think they have four smokestacks, all with smoke, and apparently the third or fourth one was fake. I think oh, that sort true. of thing, um, though, that's not going to take you out of the film. Do you know what? If no, someone's but, got, like, the Mona Lisa on Titanic, that yeah. might take you out of the but film. But there's other stuff like, you know, being a James Cameron, we had to get a chase with a gun in it, you know, mm-hmm. so, which is like. There's famously that pointless. rubber axe, that's the bit everyone knows. I don't mm-hmm. remember that. That when bit, but... somebody's, she or he is handcuffed and the water's pouring in. Oh, oh yeah. And the other one gets an axe, a fire axe, and he's wallocking at the. Um, I did say working yeah. <laughs> handcuffs to break them and the axe keeps hitting him in the hand first off but when it does it's bending so it's like a rubber fire axe. Oh. which is something that you'd think that they wouldn't have and it's very clear one of the bits that I have seen few bits that I have seen yeah, yeah so it's a surprise so I haven't seen Titanic and, and also, there was a period when that was like sacrilegious that uh, you hadn't seen it's it it's worth seeing once it's a fun movie yeah. it's, it's a lot it's, I think the thing is if you're not that into it it's, it's a, a lot of time to commit. to commit and I remember watching it there's a bit where they're all singing a hymn which I used to yeah. sing at church when I was little and it's and it's because I lived on the coast and there were a lot of sailors where I lived yeah. and, and it's got this line those that go down in the sea in ships which is obviously like which is like you wouldn't sing that on a boat necessarily no, but also the boat. song is actually hadn't <clears throat> I, the hymn <clears throat> hadn't even been published yeah, at the time of the, the like boat yeah. so you're just there going but it's filled with rampant cliche but I think as I know well, how many people would know all, that, the, all the upper class people are complete toss pots yeah. and the, 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 the noble Irish uh, people below decks are all very sort of you know wonderfully salt of the earth and having fun and this kind of thing having said that if you do want to get your Titanic shush the musical's fantastic mm. and it is before anyone mocks me it's genuinely musically very very good. It does. It's because of who wrote it. They, um, the the composers, have a thing for me. I love musical theatre, but I have an odd relationship with them because usually like, there's some absolutely beautiful and amazing music in their piece, and other bits where you're like, skip that one, you know. And Titanic's like that, but 
the second half of Titanic, like the when it's sinking, is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So I've talked about that musical before on this podcast, actually. Indeed. It is fantastic. But because I love the musical, people then said, oh, you'll probably like the film. But it's like, I don't no. think I will because what I love in the musical is the score. Mm. And obviously the film hasn't got that. It's got you know lots what? of nice suits and uniforms, though. Yeah, I know. But I'd have to sit through three hours of Titanic for that. And, I, you know, I love a bit of Celine. Make no secret of that. But I can get my Celine judge without Titanic. Yeah. So, and it, you know, so no shade to people that do like it. Yeah, it was, you know, a very good friend of mine loves it. But it just never, you know, when something doesn't grab you. Yeah, I've, n- I've never, wa- I've never rewatched it. And no. I, I do remember that um, Queer, of, Queer as Folk even did a bit, didn't they? Yeah, the famous they did. bit when they're at the prow of the ship. Yeah. And, he, and then they, they, they reenact that. In, and in um, Adam and Joe did it with their stuffed toys singing. <gasps> oh, yes! And Celine Dion, I think she was a stuffed rabbit in a helicopter, but the helicopter was spray painted with the words death from above. <laughs> and she lowered down bizarrely <laughs> onto the ship. So, so it has spawned a thousand spoofs. Yeah. And I think that unless you sort of live under a rock, that you can't fail to be aware of the scenes it's spoofing. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, so Titanic. Best bits when the guy falls and hits the propeller and twangs off of it. Oh. Some wag in the cinema went, that leave a mark. Oh. That's the best bit. Eleanor, your film. Um, oh dear. Well, I, you see, this is all the, all the cheesy films I've seen. Uh, you know, I've seen Jackass 3. Um, I, I haven't seen Casablanca. <gasps> I've seen bits of it to the point that I've seen so many bits of it, I feel like I've seen it. I know that film by heart. I had to. I did. I did a course on film music when I was at uni, and we had to do something. So I saw a lot of clips of it from there to the point where I, I pretty much almost stopped saw it, right? counting how many times I'd seen that at twenty-seven. I've seen 27? it. Yeah, which one? Casablanca. Oh, that's brilliant. I hmm. know that film, every word of it by heart. It hmm. is. Oh, are you? It's fantastic. It again deserves Great reputation. Mm. But who's the standout in it? Claude Rains. Mm. Absolutely oh, I don't know. I think brilliant. I'd say Peter Laurie as well. He's good, but Claude Rains, Captain Renault. Yeah, he's great. Absolutely brilliant, cheeky little French policeman, ah. played by Claude Rains, the Invisible Man. And it, oh yeah, you have this. The entire podcast is me going, oh god, you should see that. <laughs> That's a great movie. It is a great movie, and again, I say deserving. Sometimes you watch the classics oh, yeah. and you yeah. think, oh, yeah, or you think like with Sunset Boulevard, it's a classic, but it's a camp classic now. Mm. It's got it's got its moments, but it's also got moments where you kind of I'm not sure if I should be laughing or not. But Casablanca is fantastic, and it is such high romance and high melodrama that you know it immediately appeals to. As if you've read I, our books, you'll know yeah. it appeals to me. Because I think the things I, because I know what happens, I don't feel like I don't. It's like I feel sad about it, so I don't really want to watch it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like I've seen, I've seen, I haven't sat through the whole thing from beginning to end. I've seen lots of clips, hmm. and I know what happens at the end, and I'm just like, no. It's but too if you sad, watch the film watch all the way it. through, and I don't think you can spoil a Casablanca with how old yeah. it is. Um, it it feels I'm gonna try not to spoil it anyway, but it it's the right ending. Like mm. when you watch it, and it's not a sad ending. Um, at the end, when the last shot and the last line, which you know, again, I won't spoil it because it's great, but it doesn't feel sad. It feels like they're gonna go off and have amazing adventures. Yeah. So mm. it actually feels like absolutely the right decision, and you can almost feel like um, Bogart kind of breathing a sigh of relief, like actually I'm going to have amazing adventures now I don't have to just go off and be a husband <laughs> so no it feels very very right to me okay very right I won't cry then well no well I didn't but I don't I cry adverts and things with animals so I don't <laughs> it's I'm 42 movie. I cry at adverts there's lots of films that's influenced well, I mean, the, oh, the yeah. quickest one was that Bogart Bacall film uh, To Have and Have Not which I actually think it's is good fantastic it's a great movie Yeah, and the most recent that I'm aware of is Barbed Wire not so <laughs> 
barbed wire. Which is very entertaining. With Pamela Anderson playing Humphrey Bogart. Basically. <laughs> with two, two, two uh, big guns, of course. Two enormous talents. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fun movie, but it's based on a graphic novel, but it's, yeah. uh, it's not in the same class. And obviously, like, no. Bogart didn't wear the leather bustier. Or if he did, nah. he wasn't telling. I don't no, know. No, no. I must admit, yeah, that's something that Casablanca lacks. If that's what, Humphrey Bogart in a leather bustier? Yeah, that'd be a different, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's probably on the internet somewhere. I just like this idea of his ham- hangdog face and a bustier. Yeah. <laughs> Looking even more hangdog because yeah. he's wearing a bustier. Yeah, what speaking has happened of, to my career? Speaking of dogs, I haven't seen Slumdog Millionaire. I haven't, I haven't seen either. Slumdog Millionaire. No. Oh, I feel bad. That's, that's a recent I, no, movie I that's highly regarded <laughs> I haven't seen. Yeah. It's probably easily seeable. There's just, I think there's Doesn't just really so many me, films, frankly. aren't there? That unless you like, re- I find, unless I'm in the mood, you just think, mm. yeah, yeah, I'm kind of like. Well, that. I get as I get older, I like trashier stuff. I'm, you know, mm. you've always liked trashy stuff. I always like it, but I, <laughs> yeah, I find though, I just think you know, watching movies is for fun, and you know, I always have this this uh, conversation and conflict with my mate Jared, who's you know basically likes to watch mainstream, up to date movies and particularly superhero films. How dare he! But. You know, and I like things like, I don't know. I watched Ghost Town of the Night, which is a, a fun little film, what it says. We so I had this recently watching um, Captain Marvel, and I've seen most of the Marvel superheroes. But I actually, I think Captain Marvel's my favourite, and I think it's because it's not really like a superhero film in some respects. The bits I really like were just like, where she's just hanging out in her Nine Inch Nails t-shirt, looking quite normal. See, this was going to be, so. I was, this is actually on my list, because I haven't seen any of the Marvel superhero films. I haven't seen any. Um, I've seen bits and bobs. Is Black Panther Marvel? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've seen like five minutes of that. I've seen five minutes. Is Wonder Woman? Uh, no, no, that's no, DC. It's DC of yeah. course. That's very I used good. Used to buy those comic book fans. Black Panther were disappointed. Um, comic book fans. Wonder Woman's good. I, I, I've There's only one book, essential one, as far as I'm concerned, and that's Ant Man, the original Ant Man. That's really good. The sequel's very good too, but just the first one. Is it Ant Man versus the Wasp? Yeah, that's very good. But he's not Ant-Man. versus the Wasp. There's a very and, and and according to my partner, who is he? He's a Marvel. He loves his Marvel. Yeah. Um, he said there's a really important bit that happens at the end of that film, which which, which leads into Endgame. So. What well, wasp? The wasp thing. Um, when he gets sucked, because he, he can go into a different reality or something. Don't spoiler. Yeah. Oh. Don't spoiler. No, but I, I don't remember. I've seen Ant Man. Sufficiently wasp. new. <laughs> yeah, I've only seen it once. But Ant Man, the original Ant Man, is tremendous. It stands by itself, more or less. It's very funny. Has a sharp sense of humor. And it's probably the only one that I would recommend to someone who isn't really into those things. But the reason I haven't is because I've turned into my nana, and they they're too noisy. Yeah, they get they feel too noisy. Yeah. Now when I'm upstairs working or doing you know relaxing, doing whatever, watching TV upstairs, um, and Rick's watching one downstairs, I feel like I'm in the room with her because <laughs> I can hear it because um, as Eleanor knows, we have quite a large home cinema system, <laughs> so it it raises the roof a bit. Yeah, um, they yeah they're just very, very noisy, I think. Mm. What's your next one, Rick, for what you haven't seen? Um, well, there's loads. I mean, Mrs. Doubtfire I've never seen. Have you not? Oh, I've no. seen that. I've seen moments, but didn't appeal. I don't like um, Robin Williams when he's being sentimental. I like it when he's doing stand-up, and I like it when he's doing, uh, what do you call it, like, silly things. Mm. I, I enjoy Jumanji. I've seen that, but you do know. you not think that Mrs. Doubtfire makeup, it looks like Hideous. some sort of... Mm. Terrible. I don't like if you saw it, you'd be like, oh. Is yeah, it think, has it got a big moral at the end? Because you can just look at that movie and go, that's going to have some. Yeah, kind you know, of it's going to have a moral. Oh, it and it's just you know. What is is the moral? You probably shouldn't have dragged up as a as an old lady in order to get access to. Your probably kids. not going to do your custody <laughs> battle anymore. Yeah. The only comedy you need like that is Tootsie. Yeah. Which is a much better film. 
Yeah, I mean, from I what I gather, anyway, and he's you know. and he's and he does a, a Scottish accent that kind of veers about mm. somewhat. Yeah. Oh, hello, little children. Who are you to do? Not no, as, like no. they should have got Hazel McWinched. No. No, not not good. <laughs> Another one I haven't seen is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which is supposed to be very good. And I've, I've seen, seen that, and you know my opinion of that film. I mm. don't like that film. Or I think <laughs> apologies if anyone listening loves it. If it's their favorite, apologies if anyone listening is involved in making. I just found it a bit pretentious, and it was also I went to see that on the same day that a traffic warning on a moped ran into my MG. Oh no! So it was fine. He was very upset and started crying and wrote off his moped, but my MG was all right. So not only did I feel like I'd wasted X amount of time of my life, he's like, and then a, a traffic warden ran into my car. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was the memorable day. Did you issue him with a ticket? I should have issued him with a ticket for Eternal Sunshine's Spotless Mind. That would have been what he deserved. <laughs> Take this and go. <laughs> I will say, though, on um, if a member, if a council employee runs into your car, they do put it right, toot sweet. Oh, that's good. They, you don't have to argue. But yeah, I just found it like a bit pretentious. Is Tom Wilkinson in it? I don't know. Is Kate in it? Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet. I Kate seem Winslet. to Kate's, remember Jim Kate, Carrey doing a serious I seem to remember Tom Wilkinson being in it, which is anyone who knows me knows that's a bonus. Mm. So that kept held my interest if he's in it, but it could be something else he was in. Um, but yeah, it just felt like it wasn't for me. I think I felt like it was going to be a comedy. Yeah. And it, yes, he's in it. Yes. And it Elijah Woods, Mark Ruffalo, Kirsten Dunst, Kate Winslet, and Jim Carrey. I can't remember much about it now, but you know when you watch something, you're quite excited, and then you see it, and it's not, it's not what you're expecting, and it's not, not in in a way that you go, oh well, I said enjoy it. You just feel like mm. there was well, it's heavy... hardcore sci-fi movies. So there was it's not hardcore. Yeah. There was a lot of heavy advertising for it. I remember. Yeah, and I think some of the advertising did go a comedy route, but I could be wrong. It looked, it made it. I thought it was a rom-com. So when you're saying yeah. it's a sci-fi, I'm sitting here and I'm not surprised at all. So I, I I'm not a Jim Carrey fan at all. So. Rick knows that the point that I actually went to see a Jim Carrey film shows that I must have thought oh, it was going to be, yeah, um, mm. and no, you know, he was fine, he was mm. fine, but it was really, just really grim. Have you seen the Truman Show? That's good. Yeah, mm. yeah. See, I quite, I thought that was quite clever. How the yeah, the, the idea that. behind it was quite clever. I quite like the one. Was it Ed TV that came before? And, uh, Matthew McConaughey mm, did the same that. thing. Yeah. I haven't seen that. I'll say no more. It seemed to be a. It seemed to be a thing. Yes, I'm sure well, that it, they were just they in were development being, at the same time. They were because they both came out within like a month of each other. Oh, ouch! You know. Well, that's not what happened with Robin Hood, isn't it? When they had Robin Hood, yeah. Prince of Thieves, mm. and there was the other one that came out, which is at good the same too. time. But of course, it didn't have Alan Rickman's panto villain no. uh, sheriff. I went it, to so. see Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. No, that's a great I line. grew up in Nottinghamshire, on the edge of Sherwood Forest, in fact, and so the people in the cinema which were sold out were not appreciative of many aspects of that film <laughs> and there was a lot of audience participation it was actually great although my memory is quite a long film mm. and the cinema sold out and the man in front of me like apologies mm. I know but he had the like the worst BO oh dear that you know it just because he had on like loads of layers of coat basically and jump and you know when it feels like you need to wash your coat stewing a bit yeah he'd been stewing I think he was kind of giving you a bit of a medieval vibe yeah he was <laughs> he, he washes was. once a year whether he needs to or not yeah <laughs> I will mention though the other Robin Hood with Patrick Bergen it was very enjoyable it has a memorable line that even now I remember uh, where someone says to the ineffectual Baron he says Baron you are so wet it could shoot snipe off you and I've always remembered that great line but we people of Nottinghamshire we do love a bit of Elf Flynn because obviously that's really historically accurate. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. But I think that gets away with it by being so far the other way. Yeah. That bright, it's, bright it's a fairy is, tale. Yeah. Because at the end of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, it's like it's like 
all the outlaws end up living in an Ewok village. Yeah, they do, yeah. <laughs> in fairness to it, it's, it's a very enjoyable <laughs> film. I've seen it not long ago again. I didn't like it when I first watched Ewok it. But again, my, mate Jared was a big fan of it. And well, he got me to Ewoks. watch it again. And uh, it's, it's, it's a solidly enjoyable film. It's honestly enjoyable. It's very much a Hollywood version of things. But, you know, it's enjoyable. And who knew you could walk from the White Cliffs of Dover to Hadrian's Wall well. and... That's Hollywood. That's like what they do and in then, London. And then somehow miss out Nottinghamshire. And, yeah, yeah, but it's, and that's then London. They go have to, to put London, all wine marks together. And in that one, they used Hadrian's Wall, but it was just meant to be a wall. It wasn't meant to be Hadrian's. It's just a wall. Yeah, but maybe you, you should know. have chosen a less famous well, wall. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's not a, supposed to be know. the Great Wall of China. It's just a wall. They could have just gone to Colchester. Just somewhere <laughs> with a wall. Yeah, you know, there's plenty of walls. And I think that time may have beaten us. Yes. Time has beaten us. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely time. Telling us that time has beaten us. So, Catherine, who's putting the fizz in your gin this week? I, I, I'm going to tell the listeners that I fundamentally disapprove of the gin fizz that everybody is submitting this week because <laughs> everyone's gone crazy. Rick has decided that we're breaking the rules. We're not putting a person is fizzing our gin. Sorry if you heard that. That's Pippa walking over the microphone. Um, but what's putting the fizz in our gin this week? <laughs> yes. Are things, not people. And actually, let's let Rick start since he broke the rule. Yeah. What's putting the fizz in your gin this week, Mr. Curzon? Hammer Horror. Been a lifelong fan of it, and I watched two classics last night. Dracula has risen from the grave and taste the blood of Dracula. Mm-hmm. And we actually met through Hammer Horror. Oh. But that's yeah. a story for another time. Mm-hmm. And probably there's a big joke in there somewhere. <laughs> um, Eleanor, what's yours? Oh, I'm going to sound like I'm, I'm twice as old as I am. Um, my bottle brush tree, I've, or shrub, I'm not sure if it's a tree or a shrub, because um, I've been doing my garden up over the weekend and I went to my local garden shop and I, I mean, I'd already bought like a nice passion flower and a clematis, 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 and clematis, honeysuckle. I and I thought, and I bought a rose and then I thought, do you know what? I need, I need, I need a, and I looked around and I just thought, that is the most, that is, the, that is, well, look at that plant that looks amazing and I realized once I bought it that it's an Australian plant and that when my grandparents would come back from Australia having visited my auntie um they would have tea towels that had pictures of bottle brush trees on so it was like I didn't realize when I saw the plant that was what the connection was but it was once I was planting it and looking at it and, and just marveling at how bizarre it looks wouldn't it I thought that's what it is be amazing if when it flowered it was tea towels that would be brilliant. Mm. Just some yeah, that, furling from its branches. Seriously cool, wouldn't and it? I love the way that you can plant. You can plant an Australian plant like that that looks so bizarre in an English garden, and it it can grow because it's quite a hardy thing and just looks really wacky. And the bees seem to quite like it as well. Mm. So that's always good. Makes some unusual honey. Yeah. So Catherine. Oh yeah, I got asked first, and I haven't <laughs> putting the fizz in my gin because I've gone in my time machine back to the early two thousands and I've bought series one and two of Mile High. <laughs> Which I was talking about on Twitter of late with someone as well. Um, and if you like a bit of campery and a bit of silliness, and if you like footballers' wives, this is for you. It's basically scheming and lots of wonder bras and people in pilots, people in pilots' uniforms. And yes, it's it's great. And I'm I haven't seen it properly since it was on. Oh. Gosh, sixteen years ago. Um, so I'm going to be rewatching and hoping it is entertaining as it was then and that it's going to be a nice kind of overture to a rewatch of Footballers Wives because it sounds glorious that's, it is glorious that's how we roll in Gin and Gentlemen 
Pippa, what are you going to put? What's putting the fizz in your gin? Putting the fizz in Pippa's gin, I will speak for Pippa because she told me. Right. Are the meaty treats that you bought her when you visited yesterday. Yes. And she's actually now just jumped up when I said treats. And she's licking her lips. And that's definitely what's putting the fizz in yeah. her gin. Auntie Eleanor brings treats. Yeah. Don't I? Yes. So now it's time to find out what's coming out of the inkwell. Out of the inkwell. Um, oh, there's an exciting announcement coming out of the Inkwell this week. Um, yes, rather than a Cthulhu-esque creature, we have um, had two thrillers contracted by Totally Bound. Um, and they are called The Man in Room 423 and... The Colour of Mermaids. And we'll be telling you a lot more about them as we get closer to publication, but we're super excited um, they're thrillers with an extremely raunchy angle. Um, <laughs> we're, um, a, it's a separate string to our bow to our captain's novels because they're actually male female romances. And they're not paranormals, so they're not like they're the not Chronicles. But we will still be obviously putting out our captains and our Deschastelaine Chronicles as well. Um, and we're super excited, so expect a lot more news on that. Indeed, and what we're, when in terms of what we're actually writing, um, we are in our in the sandbox. We're in the a sandbox. Merry time with our buckets. Having and spades. a great time with our buckets and spades, collecting lovely seashells to entertain you with. So yeah, that's what we're doing at the moment. And obviously, the ghost garden is still out and it's still new, so you should still buy it. Um, and I should also say as well, um, we were the guests on hashtag UK Rom Chat on the 22nd of April um, and we had a lovely time doing that we had an we? amazing so, time it was absolutely so brilliant we wanted... thank you to the ladies who run that um, we had a lovely time um, we want to come back us. let us come back it was great um, yes so that's it so thank you for listening thank you Mr Curzon thank you for having me it was a pleasure that sounds so sarcastic <laughs> um, and Pippa says thanks again for the treats <laughs> there she goes and bye cheerio bye bye cheers Find out more at our website curzonharksdid.co.uk and thank you purple-planet.com for the music.